You're listening to Being Autistic. I'm your host, Shelly, and I am a 50-year-old woman sharing my experiences about what it's like to grow up knowing I was different but not knowing why, how I learned I was on the autism spectrum, and what it's like to be autistic. Hello, and welcome to episode number two of Being Autistic. In this episode, I'm going to give an overview of my autistic life journey so far. So I'm going to talk in a general sense about my entire life from when I was a kid until now. And I'm going to be very general in this episode because what I want to do is give the big picture so that you can see um, like what I was like as a kid, what I was like, what I was like as a young adult, what I'm like now as a 50 year old adult, and also a little bit about the diagnostic process of how I learned that I was autistic. And so I'm going to really go over everything in detail in each separate episode that I do about all of these details. But for now, I just want this episode to be general because I want to cover everything. I want to go from start to finish. And so then here we go. So basically, I'm 50 years old and I first knew that I was different um, I don't even know how old I might have, might have been, th three or four maybe, when I actually have memories <laughs> of being a child. And I, I knew I was different, but of course a lot of people say that they don't really know how or why they are different. They just know that they don't feel like they fit in with the rest of the, you know, the people in the world. And so as a child, I always felt, I had this sense of... I don't know how to do any things, any of these things that I'm supposed to do, and it seems like everybody else does. So that kind of was a general theme throughout my life when it came to particularly going to school. That's when I first, well not first, but that's when it really became super obvious to me. But also before I went to school. I was completely against talking to people that I didn't know. I barely talked to my family from what I remember, um, relatives and things like that. I All I remember, like the majority of my early childhood memories are me just being in my own world and feeling separated from people, feeling like I didn't want people to look at me, I didn't want people to talk to me. Um, of course, I was probably fine with my parents. Um, and I was an only child until I was six and a half. So basically for the formula, the formulative years of my life, I was the only child and I basically had one friend and that was the next door neighbor girl. And you know, when you're a kid, you kind of have to be friends with the neighbors because they're the only ones there and they're not they're not really choosing you it's it's more like they're forced to be your friend and that's exactly what it felt like so my childhood from i don't know two or three years old until i was maybe 10 was basically trying to figure out life and wondering why everything was so hard for me uh, learning how to do things as a child was always difficult and it was actually my 
my one friend that my neighbor that taught me how to do things that other kids already knew how to do like riding a bike and tying my shoes you know things like that and I, I mostly remember just existing alone most of the time. I was either alone in my room listening to records, I was alone riding my bike in the neighborhood, I was alone just hanging out in my backyard. And of course there were times where my neighbor friend would bring me around to other neighborhood kids and then it became really awkward. It wasn't just me and her anymore, it was me and a whole bunch of people that I didn't want to talk to, that didn't talk to me, and I was just always the outsider. And of course I didn't know why, and this was just, a, like I said, it was a general theme. In school, the same thing. I didn't have a lot of friends. The friends that I did have were like other kids that were basically the same as me in the sense of like they didn't talk to most people and they were just kind of, you know, different. And I wouldn't even say I was friends with them. It was more like I sat with them at the in the lunch table. It was like um, I gravitated towards kids that weren't talking to anybody. <laughs> and so I felt at least some sort of um, connection to them, but not quite a connection. <laughs> it's hard to explain. So my whole childhood was like this. Um, just being an outsider surrounded by people that I didn't feel connected to. Um, on the playground at school, I was always just kind of wandering around myself, just observing all the other kids and trying to learn how to be a, a kid. <laughs> and you know, this problem even was with my relatives, like my cousins. I had cousins that were my age and I played with them, but it was just like the neighborhood kids. It was like, you just are forced to play with these kids that you're around all the time because you're just always there. It wasn't that we were close or that they really liked me. And in fact, even my my cousins would eventually move on to bringing friends around and just, that would leave me out of, you know, like a, the third wheel kind of thing. And so I just kind of ended up doing things alone all the time. At family gatherings, I would just find magazines and books to read in a chair by myself, or I would just walk outside by myself. And so as I became a teenager, this was um, a little different, but it was more like I was slowly starting to learn how to have friends, quote unquote friends. And I say that because Again, oh, so here's the thing. Um, when you're autistic, you attract people that are trying to exploit you or use you, um, bully you. Oh, that's another thing I didn't mention. I was bullied a lot as a kid. Even the, you know, the nice popular girls in my class would pick on me, tease me, all that. And even my close friend, neighbor friend, she eventually would start to hang out with different people and hang out with me less. Every friend that I've ever had has fit that description. They just kind of came into my life um, and then they might have ended up being weird with me and then just 
drifted away to better friends, you know, and, and I watched this happen over and over and over and over and over from the age of, you know, young to, um, I guess this just happens with most friends throughout my life, but in high school I had friends that bullied me as well, and I never really, I mean, I've, I had what I would, what I would call best friends, but now that I'm an adult, it's hard to say if they really like me because of me or because when you're a teenager, you, it's kind of an extension of what children are like. You know, you pick on them and make yourself feel better by making them feel worse. I had some friends that did some pretty horrible things to me even when I was a teenager. And so that was basically my childhood. And of course, I never dated as a teenager. I gravitated towards music, which was my special interest. So when I say special interest, that is another name for obsession or passion. It was just overwhelmed. It overtook me. I mean, music was my life and still is. I spent probably 90% of my free time as a child listening to music with my headphones on, riding my bike. I also spent a lot of time on the swing set in the backyard. And so that's a huge chunk of my childhood was just listening to music with my headphones on the swing or riding a bike and not really connecting much with people, not dating. And so then when I started to become the age that you should be when you start getting a job and doing adult things, that's when life got even harder for me. My dad pretty much had to force me to get a job because all I wanted to do was sit and listen to music. So he told me I have to schedule an appointment or an interview at a place like McDonald's, which is where I went. So I got the job at McDonald's and to put it in one sentence, it was the absolute worst. I guess that's not a sentence, but basically I learned that, okay, this is what it's like to be an adult and it sucks worse than anything that has ever sucked before. Basically, I was working the, the register, the cash register, and which is like one of the worst jobs for an autistic person. And I lasted about a week before they kicked me off and said, you are not allowed to operate the cash register because I was so horrible at it. I was horrible at dealing with customers. I was horrible at counting money. I was horrible at learning how to actually operate the cash register itself. I just couldn't understand. I couldn't take instructions, directions. It just was all confusing and overwhelming and stressful and caused me anxiety and depression. And basically, when they kicked me off the register, they told me you can only work in the back. So I started working in the back where I didn't have to deal with the same crap that was causing me problems. And that was better. So at least I was able to keep the job. But then, you know, I, a couple years later, I was still working at McDonald's. I was like almost 20 years old. And my dad was like, you have to get a decent job. You can't just work at McDonald's. And of course, me being autistic and not knowing it, I just let him tell me what to do because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to be an adult, basically. I had no 
executive functioning, which is what that is called. But at the time, I didn't know it. Basically, that means, you know, making decisions for your life, being an adult, basically, <laughs> you know. So I let him get, he arranged me to get this other job. And it was actually a job where he was a supervisor at a factory. And I worked there for a long, 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 long time because I was forced to get the job by my dad and it was money, more, it was more money than McDonald's. So I was happy with that and I had insurance, I was set and I thought, okay, this is awful. I don't like this environment. It's loud, there are bright lights, there's a, too many people. I don't like doing the same thing for eight hours a day. It made my depression worse, it made my anxiety worse, but I kept at it because that's what you do. And I didn't know any better. Well, I mean, whatever, you know, it's, it's what you gotta do. And so I did it for like 18 years until they laid off a bunch of people and then they ended up closing eventually. But, um, so the reason why, when I went for my diagnostic test for autism, the guy was really shocked that I had stayed at this job for 18 years because apparently that's not the autistic pattern. It's very common for autistic people to struggle with work, which I was, but it's very common for autistic people to quit work, get fired a lot, um, bounce from job to job. And when I told him I stayed at my that job for 18 years, he was really shocked. But then, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized why I stayed there so long. And that was because many reasons, but the first one being that I didn't want to go for a, more job interviews. I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with looking for a job. I just stayed there because it was comfortable. I stayed there because I was in a routine and routine is very important to autistic people. It was the hours that I liked. It paid good. Um, it was, I mean, the work was awful. Factory work is not fun in any way, but I, I got settled into a routine. I liked having money and I just got stuck in a rut. I was, I like to say that I was living unconsciously. I, I was um, not thinking about my, you know, my purpose in life at the time. You know, I was 20, I was in my 20s and my 30s. I really didn't think at all about what does life mean to me? What do I want to do with my life? Um, what matters to me? Nope, there was none of that. <laughs> I was sleepwalking. Basically, I was living in a world that was not fit for me, but since it was not fit for me, I was unhappy and I was stuck in that depression and anxiety rut where I just kept going. I just slept, ate, went to work, went home. I slept, I ate, I went to work, I went home. On the weekends, well, I should say that um, when I was around 13 or 14, I started drinking <laughs> and this is a common thing for autistic people, which is, um, doing what you have to do to numb the pain of living in a world that is not designed for you. 
and also um, doing what you have to do to become the person that everybody else is, which is not you. And so that's why I drank because everybody drank. And when I realized that, wow, when I drink, I have an easy time talking to people. And so that was it. That was the thing for me. I thought this is the answer. All I have to do is drink alcohol and I am a normal person. So I drank as much as I could um, on weekends, pretty much. Um, sometimes there were times where I would drink during the week, but only with people. I didn't drink alone. I didn't need to drink alone. I only needed to drink when I was in social situations. So social interactions is one of the biggest issues that autistic people have. And like I said, people turn to either alcohol or drugs or some sort of a crutch to help them get through, to help them change their personality to help them become more talkative and social. So that's what I did for probably 30 years, maybe 25, 30 years. I worked at that factory job. I got drunk on the weekends and <laughs> it's sad to say, but that's literally all my life was. I didn't really have hobbies. I didn't really have interests other than music. I mean, music has always stayed in my life. That's always been my escape. Um, and, it, you know, I, I think of it as more of an escape, but we'll just say that for now. But um, basically, that was my life until um, I was probably in my late 30s or early 40s when I something happened where I just suddenly... I heard some music that inspired me to realize that I only have one life and am I actually living life the way that I want? Am I the person I want to be? And I thought, you know, there's got to be more to life. I don't like my job. I don't, I know I'm not happy. Something's wrong with me. You know, something has always been wrong with me and I didn't know what it was. And so I went on a quest. I went on a journey. It was like a spiritual awakening kind of thing that's still going on. Spiritual awakening is like a, a lifelong process. It's not, it's not an overnight thing. So basically, I went on a journey to discover myself. And honestly, what I was really doing was unmasking without knowing it. So when you're autistic you do this thing called masking, which is basically pretending you are somebody else, pretending you're normal, acting like a neurotypical person, acting like somebody who is not weird. <laughs> you know, I, I've been called weird, I've been called freak, I've been teased, bullied, everything. And so, you know, I, I wanted to be a different person. I wanted to be normal and so I wanted to find out who I really was because my whole life I didn't really have a personality. I just hung out with whoever would hang out with me. I went to a boring job I hated. I got drunk and pretended I was normal. Um, I did have a boyfriend when I was 26. That's how long it took me to actually get a boyfriend and so that lasted a couple years but and that was around the time where I started to be like, you know, I want to, 
I want I want something more. I want something different. There's got to be more to life. And so I, I just kept evolving and growing as a person and becoming more authentic. And this was my natural way of unmasking without even knowing what I was doing. And a lot of people that are autistic wonder, how can I unmask? How do you actually do it? And I can't really give steps because it naturally happened. It just unfolded naturally. And over the next 10, 15, 20 years, I just learned the things that I enjoyed about life. I And of course, I was laid off from that job, that factory job, so I was forced to look for another job. And I was forced, and this is where the job struggles became insanely horrible for me. I had probably 13 or 12 or 13 more jobs in my life after that point I just bounced 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 from one to another and I wasn't happy at any of them in fact I had horrible anxiety I had horrible depression I had horrible experiences every time something would make me uncomfortable I would leave and that's what's common with autistic people and so that's um a whole other subject. Of course, I'm going to talk a lot about work in future episodes. But basically, um, around this time of unmasking, it all happened naturally. I just slowly learned what I wanted out of life. And of course, this came with age as well, because I was in my late 30s, early 40s. And that's around the time that a lot of people naturally just like, I don't want to call it a midlife crisis because it wasn't so much of a crisis for me. For me, it felt more like I was exploring. Like, okay, I'm not working at that horrible factory job anymore. Even though I did get other factory jobs, but I didn't last long at them. I was just like, you know, I want to be... There's there's a real me under here somewhere. And I also went down the rabbit hole of trying to fix what was wrong with me without knowing what was wrong with me. So I got into spiritual subjects. Now here, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say that spiritual subjects are wrong. I still love spirituality, but at the time I thought that was the answer to what was wrong with me. So I got really into, you know, learning about spiritual things. Um, I got really into nature. And I thought, you know, really into self-care and self-help. I bought every self-help book under the sun. I was just searching, searching, searching for that one thing that would fix me. And, um, I mean, I, I still do enjoy those subjects, but what I'm learning now is <laughs> the whole time, my entire life, I was just searching for something to fix my autism that I didn't know was autism. And so then let me let me think back where I ended off with this story here. So yeah, the, I was on that journey to fixing myself, finding who out who I really was. And basically, where I'm at right now is the culmination of all of that. But along the way, I did start going to therapy um, because of the work thing. The work struggles were the worst. I mean, I struggled a lot with friends, with relationships, with everyday life, but struggling with work was the worst because obviously I couldn't 
make money if I didn't have a job and I couldn't I couldn't tolerate the jobs that I had. So like I said, I must have had probably 14 jobs in my life. And when I started going to therapy, I had to go to three different therapists before I found out that there was such a thing as autism and I could possibly have that. Basically, the first two therapists that I went to made it sound like, well, here, just try this. Here's some advice. Just, you, just this is what adults do. You just got to do this. They're just making me feel bad. They're make, they've made me feel worse than I already did. They did not help. And this is why I personally believe that talk therapy is not good for autistic people unless that person unless that therapist is a specialized in autism. I do not think regular therapists will cut it because they didn't for me. And I actually, I'm still seeing a therapist now that's not into, she doesn't know much about autism, but the thing is, that is what helped me get the diagnosis. So basically, you know, I can actually thank Facebook for this because I'm on Facebook a lot and I have autistic friends and I saw a lot of autistic posts and when I saw what the traits were, I'm going, hmm, I got that. I got that. That sounds familiar. Oh, that's me. That's me. These all fit me. <laughs> you know, it was just one after another. And I, being an autistic person, I'm really into research. I love to sit on the computer and spend hours researching a topic that's common with autistic people. And so anyway, I did that with autism. I took assessments that all scored high. I took my results to my therapist and I said, look at this. Um, do you think that I could have autism? Because I think this would answer every single problem I've ever had in my entire life. So she said, I never really thought about that, you know, because she admitted she's not really up on what autism traits are like. So she referred me to get diagnosed. Well, I should say she referred me to a specialist that tested me and I was diagnosed. And so that just happened about a month ago, maybe five weeks, six weeks, whatever. Um, and <laughs> when I found out, I, I mean, when I found out, it was almost like, confirming to myself it was validation that i i know myself better than all these other therapists that were trying to help me that that couldn't i knew myself better than all of these self-help books you know because self-help books are they're fine but the, autistic people are different we can't just fix you can't cure autism you can't just change your traits to not be there and so all of these all of this searching was for nothing i mean it's fine you know yeah read a book and you not you got that information in your head and it kind of helps whatever it's if it's a topic you like but it's not going to change you as a person it's not going to change your essence autistic people um basically <sighs> It's almost like it it touches every part of our life in such a way that if we did not have autism, we would probably be completely different people. We would have different personalities. We would have different likes, dislikes. We would have a different 
um, living situation, everything would be different. And so um, you can't take autism out of the person. <laughs> so when I got diagnosed, it was like, okay, this is, this explains everything. Now I know why I was bullied. Now I know why I always struggled with social situations. Now I know why I could not handle work. All of it fit into this perfect little box with a bow on it called autism. <laughs> and so I went on a quest, another journey, to learn everything I could about it. And of course, spent hours a day researching, reading books, listening to other autistic people's stories, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts. And I still do that every day. It's, it's one of my obsessions now because wouldn't you want to know everything there is about why you are the way you are? So, that's a big reason why I started this podcast as well, because now that I know all of this, I want to help other people that were in that are in the same shoes I used to be in, where I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew there was something. Um, or even, you know, if you already know, it was like X, uh, what's the word? Um, assimilating that information, integrating that information into your life, Tr uh, processing it. That's the word I was trying to think of. Processing this. Basically going back and thinking about my entire life going, yep, that sucked because of autism. That was like that because of autism. And it's great knowing that there's an, ex um, an explanation for everything. But recently I've kind of been a little bit more on the depressed side because now it's hitting me that I cannot fix what I have always been trying to fix. But on the bright side, um, people that have autism are not really broken. We are just different. So it's more of a case of learning how to be different in the world that we don't fit into. And I am still learning that, of course, and that's partly why I started this podcast, so that I could bring people along with me on this journey of learning as I go and as I figure out ways to live in this world that is not meant for me, I will share everything that I know about it and help people as much as I can. And so that's where I am right now. And now you know my life story in a nutshell. That's the overview of how I was as a kid, how I was growing up, how I am as an adult, how I found out that I was autistic, and how I am processing knowing that information. So I hope this was helpful for you, and thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.